Thank you for taking the time to listen to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church. Before we begin, here's a special message from Papa Herman, an elder at Southside. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Worship is about everything you do as it's submitted to Christ. When you go out to lunch tomorrow, your, your conduct will be worshiping God. When you go to work tomorrow... Your worship, your worship comes forth in the way you serve at work. You and I were chosen by God to be part of the solution. But in order for that to happen, we must first come into agreement with the Holy Spirit. When we do that, people can be saved, healed, and delivered. Today on Sunday Sermons, Pastor Eddie Mason discusses the role worship plays in our lives, how it helps us come into agreement with the Holy Spirit, and ultimately, be a part of God's solution. Today I want to talk about the seven signs of agreement with the Holy Spirit. I talked about this last week. And when I talked about it last week, uh, I just kind of went over it briefly. So I want to go back and emphasize some things. Last week I talked about you are part of the solution. Turn to your neighbor and say that again. You're part of the solution. The world's broke and Jesus is going to fix it. And you're the tool that he's going to use to fix it with. Amen? Okay. So we understand we are part part of the solution. When the church comes into agreement, nations are changed, people are saved, healed, and delivered. And so we want to be sure that we come into agreement with the Holy Spirit. Most of the time, the Holy Spirit's walking one way, and we'll walk with him a little way, and then we'll veer off. We're easily distracted. If you ever saw that uh, movie, what was it, Home or something like that, where, the, where they had the dog and the squirrel would run wild and the dog would be talking and all of a sudden he goes, squirrel, squirrel. That's the way we do. We start, we start following the Holy Spirit and the next thing you know we're going, squirrel, squirrel. Last week I made the statement that if you weren't uh, preaching the gospel, you weren't a disciple of Christ. I, I want to bring a little clarification to that statement. I didn't mean preaching like I'm preaching. I mean if you're not sharing Jesus, then you're not a disciple. I'm not saying you're not saved. That's between you and Jesus. But if you're not sharing, if you're not ministering, if you're not praying, then you're not a follower of Christ. Christians were first called Christians, I think, in Antioch. And the reason they did, it was a a slanderous thing. It wasn't a great term. They They were mocking them because they were so devoted to following Christ that they just thought they were little mini Christ. And so it just, they said that as a, as a mockery, and we have taken that mockery, and we should be wearing it with glory because it references our, our, our God and our King. Amen? And so, and so discipleship is one that follows. And if you're going to follow, then you have to listen to the commands of the Lord, and the command of the Lord is to go, therefore, and preach the gospel with signs, wonders, and miracles following. Amen? Amen. So I, want to, I just wanted to clarify that one statement. I want, to talk about the, I want to talk to you about these seven signs. I said they were visible markers that we are fulfilling the mission of, of the church. Number one, when the church begins to fulfill the mission, when things begin to take place and we come into agreement with the Holy Spirit, when we're in agreement with the Holy Spirit, then worship is prevalent and unified. Turn to your neighbor and say, that means we're in unity. Love for the body is increased. You love people more. 
can't tell you how many people tell me they, they love Jesus, but they can't stand to come to church. Why? Because it's flawed? Why? Because they, they don't like what's going on? Can I tell you what? That is one of the most petty things a person can ever say. If you love people, you love people. And what you're really saying is, I don't love people. And the scripture said, how can you say you love Jesus if you don't love your brothers? But what happens is when we come into agreement with the Holy Spirit, we begin to get unified. We begin to, get, we begin to, to, begin to see the glory of God, and we begin to see the glory of God in the body of Christ, and we begin to understand how good it really is. Sometimes I wondered about my journey and how I got to the point that I'm at. And I was never, I've never been just a, a, a one person, I mean a one a doctrine person. I was raised in a Presbyterian church. We were Calvinist. If you don't know what Calvinists are, we predestination, election, and those type things. And I was part of the elect because we were the best people. Amen? <laughs> that's what my daddy said. No, 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 that's what my, that's what my granddaddy said. Anyway, so we, I got in the Presbyterian church. Well, you know something, there was an amazing thing happened. When the Holy Spirit began to move in the Presbyterian church, people started falling in love with Jesus, and they began to fall in love with Jesus. Signs, wonders, and miracles started taking place, and people started getting saved. Up to that point, they were always called God's frozen chosen. I'm just telling you the truth. From my perspective, I saw an unthawing, a thawing, not an unthawing, a thawing of the church, and I saw people get saved, healed, delivered. I heard about signs, wonders, and miracles when I was in the strictest, most stodgy church you had ever been in in your entire life. And so I leave there and I go to the Baptist church. And I get saved at the Baptist church. I was in the Presbyterian church for a long time. I go to the Baptist church. When I get to the Baptist church, all they want to preach on is salvation, salvation, salvation. And don't talk about that signs, wonders, and, and miracle stuff. And if you talk about tongues, you could probably be kicked to the curb. And so, you know, but then I have a Baptist missionary, a guy from Japan comes in, and he comes to my house. He comes to mine and my, my cousin's house, and he disciples us for, for uh, nearly a year. A guy named James Cook. Amazing thing. And James, a, a bona fide, died-in-the-wool Baptist, starts telling me about these miracles. I'm going, we don't believe in those miracles. He said, we may not, but he said, I do. And then he began to tell me this story about the devil coming into his room. I said, what are you talking about, James? He said, I'm there one night. And said, my bed began to shake. And he said, I'm not doing anything. And he said, there ain't no earthquake outside. And he said, my bed starts moving across the room. And he said, I don't know what's going on. And, I, and he said, I just stood up in the middle of my bed and hollered, Satan, in the name of Jesus, get out. And he said, it all stopped and disappeared. I said, James, is that even biblical? And he started telling me signs, wonders, and miracles. And then I found out the truth when I went to evangelical Bible school is they do believe in signs, wonders, and miracles, just not in America. You have to be on the mission field for those things to take place. That's not in America. Now, that's not every Baptist church. That was just my history with the Baptist church. So I go from the Baptist church to this little church that's, that's out in the field somewhere. And this guy can preach. He gets spirit-filled. He can preach. Just takes your breath away. And, uh, uh, but he winds up getting upset with my daddy, and uh, he asks us to leave. And some of you don't know that. So we got booted out of Kimsey's church. Yeah. We got kicked booted out of Kimsey's church. 
Now, the real interesting thing is, Kim's about lost that church, and guess who he called to help him regrow it? Called my daddy. Guess who went? My daddy. Guess how big the church grew? There's over a thousand people involved in that church. Well over a thousand people. Now, isn't it something? The same person that kicked him out called on him, repented, and asked him to come and join him, and he did. Then, I, and and so we began to see signs, wonders, and miracles. I never will forget one night. I'm, I'm sitting there one night, and this uh, we had the, the cook at the country club where we were working. Uh, had gotten saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, and his wife, he and his wife came to the to the service that night, and they were sitting there at the service, and all of a sudden I see her get out of the back, and Peggy she starts coming out the back, and when I look at her, you don't have to wonder if demons are there. She is demon filled, and as she starts down there, Pastor Kim War looks at her and says, "In the name of Jesus, I command you to leave her and let her go." And she falls on the ground. And start speaking in tongues. Now, you know, I ought to have been excited, but I was scared to death. <laughs> I'm just telling being honest with you. Peggy gets up and, and she begins speaking in tongues. Her eyes get clear, her whole facial expression changes, and she looks at Kimsey and she said, I am sorry, Pastor, I was coming to kill you. Now, that's church the way I like church, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> That was my introduction into church. I said, man, that's a good church when you do stuff like that. So I had this introduction into church. Then I went to this little Pentecostal church. I'm a, I'm a church topper. No, I got kicked out of most of them. Anyway, I wound up at the, at, at the, at the and this old boy walked out. I never will forget it as long as I live. He walked out there. He had on a three-piece suit and cowboy boots. And I don't know why any English teacher ever gave him a passing grade when he was in school. This man destroyed the king's English. It was terrible. And I'm sitting there looking at Sue. I didn't want to be in this stupid church anyway. She had made me go because she'd made a promise to a lady at a laundromat. And now I got this guy. The worship was pretty good. They had an old boy to come out of a nightclub playing the piano, and he was doggone good. And, 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 and then this, this preacher comes up there, and he starts preaching, and my jaw hits the floor. But the truth that is coming through this man, I can't, I can't deny. I had never heard anything like it in all my life. And Dr. Ralph Martin is the man that began to minister to me. And he started training me and discipling me in a whole another, another level. Step by step by step. From the Presbyterian church to the Baptist church to the church in the field to, to the Assembly of God church. You know what was I saw in common? They all loved Jesus. And signs, wonders, and miracles took place in every one of those churches. I began to believe it was just me. No, I'm just teasing you. <laughs> you know, but we, we stay divided. Why are we divided? Why are we so divided? I, I see God move in all these churches, uh, in different forms of churches. I, I, I see these things. I've seen church all over, not all over the world, but in many different parts of the world. And I go, Wow. Lord, what's it going to take to bring us into the type of unity that we're going to have to have in order to change the world? 
You see, there was something that happened on the day of Pentecost. They were all gathered together in the day of Pentecost. And the Bible says they were what? They were in one mind and one accord. They were unified and they came into agreement. And when they came into the agreement, listen, the whole earth changed just like that. And the people that couldn't even hear about Jesus, 3,000 of them got saved that day. Why? Because the church was birthed and they got unified. The church was birthed in unity. It, was, it, was, it didn't take long for it to split up, but it was birthed in unity, and God is calling us back into unity. He's not called us to be finger pointers. If we're doing the work of the gospel, if we're doing the work of Jesus Christ, we don't have time to point any fingers at anybody. You don't have any time. All you need to do is just be about the Father's work. Let, let, let them do what they're going to do. Amen? And so I, I want us to understand that, that we need to, to come to a place of unity. And when we come into this place of unity, worship will be prevalent. It'll be unified. It, it, we'll see things and we'll hear things. I was, in a, I was in another Baptist church. This was a spirit-filled Baptist church one night. And, and we began to sing at Pastor Don Pye's church. And we began to sing Amazing Grace. And there probably wasn't about 30 or 40 of us in there. And all of a sudden, we began to hear these voices and the people in the front were looking back, and the people in the back were looking front. And we have no doubt, I can tell you as sure as I'm standing on this platform, that angels joined in with the worship. And it became so pure. It became so pure that the angels wanted to join in with the people on the earth, the disciples of Jesus Christ. Woo, we, sung, we must have sung Amazing Grace 3,000 times after that. It never happened again. We never got into that kind of unity. But when you get into unity, the presence and the power of God increases. Gary said it to me the other day. One will put 1,000, but what will two do? If two will put 10,000, then what happens with three, four, five, 10, 12? Man, we just got, we come together in unity. And so we, we got to look and say, well, what is dividing us? What is causing us to, to be divided? And specifically, what is causing us to be divided in worship? What, the, what, what is, what's so, why, why can't we get together? Well, it says, one believes you can't have any music. No musical instruments. If you're going to sing, you sing a cappella. One believes that worship should be like a rock concert. Smoke and lights and glitter everywhere. <laughs> Others believe that only the music of the Renaissance is anointed. Y'all think I'm kidding. I'm telling you the truth. I've heard all this stuff. Hymns, Southern Gospel, contemporary, rap. And if you're not singing hymns, if you're not singing Southern Gospel, then you're not worshiping God. Hmm. Interesting. I've heard it's too loud. It's too soft. Don't clap. Don't shout. Don't dance. Matter of fact, we've, we, we've gone to that so much. We even have churches that are splitting, and they have one, one traditional, and they have one contemporary. Okay. I'm just telling you that because you see there's no unity in worship. Are you, are you with me? Okay. Let me go just a little bit further. All of these things are preferences. It's what I like. It's what I like. And if it's not what I like, then I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to worship somewhere else. Can't stand all that loud drumming. 
I'm going to go back to where they did it like they did in the Apostle Paul's day. You know, the Baptist church where they only play the organ and the piano and sing Southern Gospel. Eddie, you don't understand. There's certain music that moves me. Yeah, I understand. Certain music that moves me too. But let me, let me clarify. Many times it's the music that is moving you, not the worship of God. I've told you this many, many times. I went to an Andrew Lloyd Webber production of Phantom of the Opera. And the singing was on a level I had never, ever heard before. And I got chills running up and down my arms and my legs. And I said, Holy Spirit, I didn't know you were in here. He said, well, I am, but I'm not, in, I'm not in what you think I'm in. I'm in you. Your soul is being stimulated by the voice. And he said, now you can give me honor for that voice. I said, I think I'll just do that then. I'm going to worship you because that man's voice is absolutely beautiful. It is glorious. It just sends cold chills up and down my spine. And if I go listen to it, it'll still send cold chills up and down my spine. But that has nothing to do with worshiping the Holy Spirit, with worshiping Jesus. That has to do with what moves me. And so if we're going to link what moves us into worship, then guess what? We're going to miss worship. Because what we're going to do is we're going to wait until our emotions and our soulish realm is being moved before we enter into the place of true worship. Worship is not just about singing songs. Worship is not just about praying. I want us to get unified. I'm not putting anybody down. I, I want you to understand. The only problem with judging true worship based on style or performance is that it's man-centered. It's just man-centered. Through our worship, we try to meet the fleshly need of man. Many churches run surveys to determine what appeals to the heart of a man. Worship in heaven is not man-centered, but Christ-centered. We pray this prayer, O Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, let me take you off the hook a little bit. If Southern Gospel turns your trigger, trips your trigger, then you turn it up as loud as you want to and listen and praise God as long as your heart is praising God. If you like hymns, and there's some hymns that I think are out of this world, go sing all the hymns you want to sing. Find somebody like you and sing hymns with them. But when we come together as a body, what you want to do is you want to bring the worship of Jesus Christ together. Okay? Now, am I making sense to you? Well, Eddie, I just can't get into it. You can't get into worshiping Jesus? Well, if the music isn't right, listen, I worship Jesus at a rock concert. And the devil was having a heyday. What do you mean you were worshiping? I mean, I was crying out to God, don't let me die here, don't let me die here. I will praise you all the days of my life. I give you glory and honor. I am sorry, I am sorry, I am sorry I am in this place. And Lord, if you get me out of here alive, I promise I won't ever go in one of these places again. I'll take a bath when I get through with this thing. That was me, okay? That was me. Well, Eddie, are you condemning music? I absolutely am not. If it glorifies God, do it, man. 
If it doesn't, you might want to listen to what you're letting into your heart. Worship in heaven is Christ-centered. Let me bring that home to you. Revelation 4.2. John said, At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. Who was seated on the throne? The Lamb. Jesus was seated on the throne. And around the throne were four and twenty, elder, uh, th- four and 20 thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their head. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. And the four living creatures, day and night, they never cease to say. Turn to your neighbor and say, night and day. Day and night. They never stop worshiping. Come on, night and day. And what do they say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And if you can't get excited about something like that, man, there's something inside of you needs to change. Amen? Come on, give God glory. That's right. Give God glory. And then when, the, and then when these four living, when these 24, uh, these uh, living creatures, not the 24, but when the living creatures start singing holy, 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 Guess what happens to the four and twenty elders? They can't stand upright. They start bowing and they start casting their crowns before Jesus. Oh man, you talk about worship. You talk about worship. These twenty-four elders, man, that's that's their reward. That's their recognition. That's their blessings. That's the honor that Jesus has given them. And they take every bit of that honor and every bit of that glory and every bit of that accomplishment and they say, Jesus, it all belongs to you. Now that's worship. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Notice that the central figure of heaven in what John saw was the throne of Jesus Christ. Are you getting the picture? As it is in heaven. I mean, as, yeah, that it be on earth. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Oh, how is it in heaven? There is no question who is the center and the central figure of all of heaven. Go back and read chapter 4, and they begin to talk about the light show that goes on. Anybody worried about a light show? Son, God puts on a light show for his son. It's through pills of thunder and lightning and rainbows and emeralds. And I mean, it just, it's an explosive thing. You can let your imagination begin to run wild in Revelation 4 when you begin to see what's in the throne room of, of God Himself, when you see Christ sitting on that throne. Well, that's the, that is what real worship is about. It has nothing to do whether it's a fast lick or a slow lick. Has nothing to do whether it's Southern Gospel or Contemporary, whether it's Renaissance hymns or you know the Seven Choral Amen and the the the, the high steeple few people type thing. You know whatever it doesn't make any difference. We we have our ways of condemning people, but worship comes out of the heart. And until we can learn how to worship together, we can't be unified. And until we, can, until we can begin to learn how to let what's in our heart come forth regardless of what's going on around us, 
then we're going to be driven by our soulish passions and not by the Spirit of God. And you can't be in agreement with the Spirit of God when you're being driven by the flesh. Am I making any sense to you today? Everything centered around the throne. Angels, elders, creatures, multitudes which no man can number, all have one focus, Jesus. That's what the church is going to be. That's what the church needs to be. And so what, what I've got to do is I've got to come before the Lord and say, Lord, there's some of that stuff I just think stinks. Would you change my heart and mind so that I can worship? I don't care what's going on. You see, what happens is when you begin to accept Jesus, you can go wherever Jesus is truly being magnified and wherever Jesus is truly being worshipped, and you can, you can have a worship service. It can be the driest, dullest, anti-gifts anti place you ever thought in your life. They can't stop you from worshiping Jesus and eating from the trough, from the banqueting table. You can tell I'm a pig. You can, it can't uh, eat him from the banqueting table of God if you have the Holy Spirit, and he, he, that is the reason that you're there. You know, you, I, I'm just telling you that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us and direct us into worship, but we've got to subdue our flesh. We've got to put our, the deeds of the flesh to, to death. Look what he says here, and I'm going to read one more, and then I'm going to stop. I think I am. Paul is talking to, Colossians, to the Colossians about their spiritual walk in worship. Paul references their form of worship. Most of us don't even realize this. In Colossians 2.21, 2, he's talking about the fact these, these things, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. I put that up there as the no-no list. How many know most all churches have a no-no list? And boy, if you cross that no-no list, you a heathen bound and going to hell. Now it's all extra biblical stuff. I'm not, I'm not coming against the stuff that's in the Word. I'm talking about the extra biblical stuff, which is what Paul is talking about here as well. He, he, said, there, he said, look what he says. He goes on, he said, referring to these things, all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. Hmm. All that will worship all that you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, you got to be this way, you got to be that way, you know. So you got to be Baptist, you got to be Methodist, you got to be Presbyterian. Uh uh, I just got to gather where believers gather. I've just got to love the body of Christ. If they're Presbyterian, I can love them. If they're Baptist, I can love them. If they're Church of God, I can love them. If they're Assembly of God, I can love them. I don't care what the name they hang on there. If they got Christ, I can love them. If they don't have Christ, you know what else I can do? I can still love them. I don't have to be. I don't have to be caught up in the confusion of religion because I have been set free. And the Bible said, "Whom, whom the Lord has set free is free indeed." I don't know about you, but I'm free. I'm free. I can go. I can do. You want? You want to take me to your house? I'll go to your house and worship with you. You want to take me into any church in this area? I can go worship. I don't care. Well, what if they preach in heresy? God help them because they're going to stand before the judgment seat of throne, and I won't receive not one word of it. Chances are pretty good I won't hear one word of it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has attuned me to listen to what He is saying. Eddie, you, amen. Amen. Are you bragging on yourself? Nope. I wish I could. I can't. I just can't do it. It's just I don't hear it. People are all the time coming up to me and saying, did you hear this? And I go, no, I didn't hear that. And they lay it out, and I say, well, that probably isn't too good, is it? I don't hear those things. And that's interesting because that's what I prayed for. I was hypercritical of most pastors. 
until the Holy Spirit one day said, stop. I didn't appoint you sheriff, and I didn't make you judge. You hear, receive, judge the word for yourself, and I'll help you. And boy, the Holy Spirit did. He started, and all of a sudden, I started getting gold nuggets. I started getting gold nuggets from heathens. Let me, let me let you on a little secret. Truth is truth. I don't care where it comes from. Come on, I'm not going to be inundated with that stuff, but I'm going to, I want to live in truth. As I begin to worship, I want the spirit of truth operating in me. And I want to be sure that I'm joining in with the four and twenty elders. I want to be sure that I'm up there with the cherubim and the seraphim. I want to be with that multitude. And every time I come together, I want me to understand, I want us to understand it's not just us worshiping. It's the whole angelic host that are worshiping. It's every martyr in heaven that's worshiping. How often do they worship? 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They never stop. And so anytime you decide to worship, you can just say, hey boys, I want to become, I want to get involved with that. If you play an instrument, just tell us, Lord, I want, I want to put my, my music into the band. Well, I'm not very good. <laughs> you are to God's ear. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.